and uh, brother and sister Martin. Sister Martin is a her father pastored this church for 25 years uh, prior to our arriving here. Uh, sister, can you believe that it was four years ago now? Over four years ago, and so we're so glad to have them visiting with us today. And God bless you. And each of our visitors that are with us in the house of the Lord today, you're very special. Thank you for being with us, and we love each and every one of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm so glad that the greatest visitor of all showed up, that the presence of the Lord is here in the house today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn uh, in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter number 7. And um, I want to read a verse of Scripture in your hearing today from Luke chapter 7 and minister what the Lord has put on my heart for today. Luke chapter number 7, beginning uh, in verse 17. If you want to, you can stand. I know you just were seated. If you want to stand and honor the reading of the Word of the Lord, you can do that. Luke 7 and 17, the Bible says, And this rumor of him, him referring to Jesus Christ, went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. Remember, John at this point is in prison. And John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? In other words, are you really the Messiah? Or should we look for another Messiah to come? When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Notice that Jesus did not immediately answer them. But in verse 21, it says, And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. When the disciples of John came with this question, Jesus did not answer them, but he turned around and began to work a flurry of miracles in their sight. And then verse 22, Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor... The gospel is preached. Go your way and tell John the things you have seen and heard. Amen. And I, I want to preach to you on this subject. Somebody go tell John. Somebody go tell John. Amen. I want you to look at somebody around you and ask them, are you John? Are you John? You know, hopefully if the Lord helps us today, it will become apparent to us that some of you are John this morning. And if you are John, let the Spirit of the Lord, let God talk to your heart today. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your presence and your power and your anointing, Lord Jesus, that's in this house. I pray, Lord God, that you would accomplish your purpose through the Word today, Lord. Let somebody, Lord Jesus, experience, Lord God, encouragement and joy and peace and fulfillment, Lord Jesus, in the promises of the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to continue to do when we put our praise in you. One more time, lift your hands to the Lord right now and give Him praise for all that He's done for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. 
You may be seated. If I could take you on a journey with me this morning in the imagery of your mind to a gathering of Jesus and his disciples. This particular gathering that I want to reproduce in your imagination is the Last Supper. I can imagine that as Jesus was gathered together with his beloved disciples, they were probably shocked when suddenly Jesus announced that all of you shall be offended because of me this night. It probably shocked them and caught them off guard. Because at that moment, those 12 men that sat with Jesus recognized their own humanity. And for just a moment, every one of them saw the potential of failure that was in each of them. Because just a little earlier, when Jesus had said, One of you shall betray me, each and every one of them asked him, said, Lord, is it I? Am I the one that is going to betray you? I can just imagine how relieved each of them must have felt. When the Lord finally took the piece of bread and dipped it into the sauce, handed it to Judas. And uh, he had said, to whom I give this sop is the one that will betray me. When he handed it to Judas and said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. And Judas took it and went out into the shadows of the night. There was probably a collective sigh of relief from those who had just asked the Lord, am I the one that is going to betray you? But then just a few moments later, he announced that each of them would be offended because of him that night. There was a difference in their response. The 11 men that only moments before had at least considered the idea that they could have been the one that would betray the Lord, began to adamantly deny the possibility that they would ever be offended because of him. In fact, one of them in the group of the disciples went a step further. Simon Peter said, though all men are offended in you, and if everybody gets discouraged and everybody else feels like giving up and walking away, if everyone walks out on you, I will never be offended in you. And Jesus looked over at Simon Peter and said, Simon, yeah, on this very night, in fact, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times. And the apostle Peter became indignant in his impetuous nature and said, Oh, no, Lord, I would die before I would ever deny you. And I will never deny thee. And the Bible says that likewise said all the disciples, We will never deny you. We will never be offended in you. And you know the details of the story that just a little while later, they were in the courtyard because the soldiers had come and taken Jesus away. And there, while Peter was warming his hands by the fire, some words came out of his mouth. And I wonder if those words came out easily. I wonder if they got caught in his throat. I wonder if it was difficult when he finally said that I don't know this man. The second time he said, I never knew this guy you're talking about. I wonder if it was a little easier when he said, I tell you, I don't know him. And then the third time, the little servant girl came and said, I can tell by your accent. It betrays you. You're a Galilean, and you're one of those that follow Jesus Christ. And this time, was it easier than the first and the second time? Because he swore with an oath that he never knew Jesus and did not know who he was. And in the distance, he heard the sound of the rooster crowing. And no wonder... 
No doubt when his eyes met the eyes of this young girl. And he realized what had happened. The heart of this big, rough, burly fisherman broke. The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. See, Simon Peter discovered something that all of us have to discover in life. And that is it's easier for words to come. But there's a vast difference between the reality of life and the promises of our mouth. Theory is one thing, but reality is quite another. And Peter discovered what we discovered. And that is that words come so easy in certain settings. Yeah, it's easy to say, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you when my belly is full and I'm in a warm upper room with all my friends. But when I'm alone in a courtyard and I'm facing the possibility of imprisonment, Words didn't mean very much, and he discovered how easy it was to lose your determination and to cross the line. It's easy when you're in the presence of Jesus to make promises. It's easier when you're feeling the power of God to make commitments and determinations and confessions with your mouth. But when you find yourself facing difficulty and trial and tribulation, and when you're asking questions in yourself, you discover that sometimes it's a lot easier to declare things in the presence of Jesus in theory than it is to fulfill them when you get out into the reality of life and face circumstances and questions. In the presence of God, it was easy to say, I'll never give up. I'll never give in. Let others get discouraged. I'll never get discouraged. It's easy to say that in the presence of God, but when troubles pile up higher than you can imagine, you can see there's a difference in my confession and in real life. And you have to face the same issues tomorrow that you were dealing with today. And real life is there to face. You've got to face it all by yourself. And though you make promises, discouragement can come and try to drag you back down to the bottom. That's what life is like. I wish I could live on a Sunday afternoon high. Amen. What was that first song we sang when we come in church today? There's no God like our God. There's no God like our God. While I was singing that song, I felt like I could just float right up to heaven. Hallelujah. The power of God was here. My brothers and sisters, I looked around. They were smiling. They had their hands uplifted. Tears were flowing. People were rejoicing. I'm like, wow, there is no God like my God. And it feels good in the presence of the Lord to lift up and praise and magnify the Lord. Amen. And you've been in settings before where you have experienced the power of God and you felt your faith rush to a height that it's never been before. And you knew that you could never, ever give up on the Lord and you could never, ever fail him and you could never, ever turn your back on him and you could never, ever lose that edge of fervor and passion in your spirit. But all of us know if you've been serving God for a while that it's not always there's no God like our God, that after a while you're facing the difficulties of life. After a while, you're facing the realities of your situation. After a while, you're looking at prayers that seem unanswered. After a while, you're struggling with things in your life uh, that seem to deny the reality of God's existence. Uh, and you don't feel the rush of God's power. You don't feel the anointing. And there are times when you sit alone and think thoughts that you would never tell anyone. And there are those of you that have thought about giving up. That have thought about quitting. There are men and women that have thought about giving it all up. It's just too hard. Let me tell you something. You're not alone. It's not unusual because discouragement comes. Are you with me today? 
discouragement comes, even to those who love the Lord, even to those who are impassioned for God, even to those who have unction and anointing and calling on their life, discouragement will come into your life. Think it not strange. Don't think that somehow you have been singled out. Don't think that somehow you are unique among people when you experience discouragement because no matter who you are you're not too strong that life could not come along and put a blow against us it can be one phone call it can be a heartbreak or a disappointment or a lifetime of effort that's swept away and you may begin find yourself saying I should never have even tried who did I think I was making those declarations and speaking those words in the presence of the Lord But let me tell you today, there are a few things about discouragement that I want you to remember. I want you to understand. There are a few things about discouragement that you need to know. And first of all, is that if you've ever been discouraged, number one, you are in good company. Because when you look through the Word of God, some of the greatest and mightiest men of faith experienced discouragement. See, King David said in one of his psalms, my foot almost slipped. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I noticed that the good and righteous people weren't being blessed, at least in my eyes. And I almost slipped until I went into the house of the Lord. Another time David said, I was stressed out. I was about to give up. I was about to walk away. But I had to encourage myself in the Lord. He didn't have anybody around to help him. He had to stop and say, i got to remember that God's been good to me. God's fought for me in the past. See, some of us look at the life of David and say, if I ever slew a giant, I'd never struggle with depression and discouragement again. If I ever took a bear by the beard and ripped him in half, I'd never have to struggle with discouragement again. If I saw God come through and help me defeat a lion, I'd never have to fight with discouragement again. But David experienced all of that. But he had to encourage himself in the Lord because there came a time in his life at Ziklag where he was kicking around through the the scrap and the rubble of what his life had once been, wondering if his wife and kids were dead. And there his own friends and brethren and close ones that had followed him were thinking of stoning him. And there in that time of discouragement, David said, I learned to encourage myself in the Lord. So if you've ever been discouraged, or if you're discouraged today, I want to let you know that you're in good company. Clap your hands to the Lord. Can you imagine? Elijah, the great prophet of the Old Testament, called fire down from heaven. And only hours later, he sat under a juniper tree and said, Lord, just take me. Just take my life. It's not worth going on. If you've ever been discouraged, you're in good company. Job, who was the patient one, who we all look to as an example of greatness in terms of his commitment to the Lord, he reached a place that he cursed the very day he was ever born and wished he had never lived. Moses, the great leader of God's people, made one stab at his destiny, and then he gave up for 40 years. And even tried to talk a bush into considering someone else for leadership. The bush that was bursting with flames, he tried to get someone else drafted instead of him. He said, Lord, here I am. Send my brother. So if you're discouraged, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're a human being. Discouragement comes to the very best. And so when the devil perches on your shoulder... And says that if you are discouraged, and since you're discouraged, you might as well give up. Because you don't have what it takes to overcome. Because if you had what it takes to be a deliverer or a leader, 
or used of God, then you would never be discouraged. I want you to listen to the devil, and then I want you to tell him, devil, you are a liar. Because discouragement comes to the very best. Discouragement comes to the bravest. Discouragement comes to the most anointed. Discouragement comes to those with destiny and purpose on their life. If discouragement isn't coming your way, I wonder if you're really doing something for God. But if you go, hallelujah, if you put your hands to the plow, if you put your mind and your spirit behind God's calling for your life, you can be for sure that there are times when the enemy is going to try to steal your faith and your confidence and your willingness to fight on. See, the Bible says that John was the greatest of the prophets. This is not my opinion. It's not just what I think, but Jesus Christ said he was the greatest of the prophet. That's the John. John was the greatest, greater than the prophet Isaiah, greater than Jeremiah, greater than the fiery prophet Elijah. He was greater than the smooth-speaking Elisha. He was greater than Ezekiel, greater than Daniel, and greater than Jonah. The Bible says Jesus declared that John was the greatest of the prophets. In fact, God used this man to introduce Jesus Christ to the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He was the forerunner, the one that went before to prepare the way for Jesus, to bring up those areas that were low and to knock down the high areas and to move all the stones and the barriers in the spiritual sense out of the way to make smooth a pathway for the Lord. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was the one that declared, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And with his own hands, he baptized Jesus Christ in the river Jordan. He was the one who saw the heavens open. And saw the Spirit of the Lord descending like a dove. And he is the one that heard the voice say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. See, nobody else heard it. It was only John. Everybody else thought it thundered. But John heard the voice of the Lord saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Just think about what it meant for this man, John, to baptize the Creator, Jesus Christ. Amen. And oh, what a preacher was John the Baptist. Uh, what a wonderful preacher. See, he didn't have a great location or a cathedral, a beautiful building for his church. Folks had to go out of the way to get where he was. And you know he's got to be good to be drawing people out to the backside of the wilderness. And even when he sent down messages, his messages weren't flowery and encouraging and full of God's got a new season of faith and blessing and God's going to bring joy and prosperity into your life. No, his sermons uh, were scourges. Uh, his his sermon were fiery words that, that lanced their paths. Uh, and as he looked at the Pharisees and called them vipers and warned them of the wrath to come, but still they came to hear this great preacher of the word of God. And he baptized them by the thousand. And what a preacher John the Baptist was. And what a man of God he was. And, and the Lord said there's never been anybody that walked in shoe leather that was greater to this day than John the Baptist. And at the height of his ministry, when every person was hanging on his air, Every word, he made this statement. He said, this one that I have declared to you is the Lamb of God. He's going to increase while I will decrease. He's going to increase while I decrease. Amen. This is the Messiah. This is the one that's going to ascend. I'm going to drop into obscurity. Hey, that's easy for you to say, John, when all of Jerusalem is coming out to hear you and hanging on your every word. When the power is moving through you and when 
thousands of people are being baptized. But it's a different story, John, when you're locked away in the dungeon and you don't have the massive number of disciples anymore. All you can muster up is two disciples. Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to notice when it becomes just theory but reality. going to increase, but I will decrease. Amen. When trouble is not just something you talk about anymore, but trouble is something you're living in. When trouble is not just something that happens to other people, but when you're going through the valley of discouragement and even misery and despair yourself, then all the words you've ever said count for nothing. And discouragement can come to even the very best. So what did John do? As he sat in a prison, a dark, dank cell, the stench of human refuse. He looked through the bars of the prison and made his request to bring those two remaining disciples. He spoke to them through the bars of the dungeon cell where he lived. And he said, I need you to do something for me. I've, I've heard the stories about Jesus, what's happening now. And I want you to go to him and, and I want you to ask him a question for me. When you get to where Jesus is, I need to know this. I want you to ask him, are you really the Messiah? Or should we look for another Messiah? See, what, was John, what John was saying through the bars of the prison that day was, have I wasted my life? Have I invested my energy and my strength in the wrong cause? Have I made a tragic mistake in my decision to live my life for Jesus Christ? John the Baptist, yeah, John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets, he who baptized Jesus Christ and heard the voice of the Spirit speak of Jesus, reality as the Messiah, reached such a level of discouragement to where even he doubted if Jesus was really the Messiah. Huh. If John the Baptist, the one that heard the voice of the Lord, say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, can reach such a depth of discouragement because of circumstances of life that even he questions whether or not Jesus is really who he says he is, you've got to understand that discouragement can come. Oh, but I was a mighty man of God, but now I don't have a job. Oh, but I did great exploits for the kingdom of the Lord, but now everybody looks at me as a failure. See... See, discouragement can come to everyone, and your faith itself may be shaking. And you may be asking, are you really the Messiah? You may be asking, am I really doing the right thing in living for God? You may be asking, have I wasted my life and my energy and my goals and my passion and my fire? The first thing you must understand that if you experience discouragement, you are in great company with some of the greatest men of God who not only before but after their period of discouragement did great exploits for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. The devil says you're discouraged. Just go ahead and give up. The devil says you're discouraged. You don't have what it takes to be something good for God. The devil said you got went through a weak spell. You went through a personal failure. You went through a time of discouragement and you took a step backward from God and you denied your initial position with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you didn't do it with your lips, but you did it with your lifestyle. And there's no reason for you to fight on or to go on or to even work. That's what discouragement says to you. Because the 
devil wants to destroy another champion. Satan wants to bring another champion down under the power and the influence of his dastardly words of discouragement. But I want you to stand up. I want you to be encouraged because there's a voice in the house that says, somebody go tell John. Somebody go tell John that Jesus is still in the miracle working business. That Jesus is still doing great things. So come on, praise him. Another thing I want you to understand about discouragement. Number one, if you're discouraged, you're in good company. But number two, not only does discouragement come to the very best and to the rest of us, but we've also got to learn how did Jesus react to John's discouragement. This is important because we wonder, because of the accuser of the brethren, Satan, when I get discouraged, God knows I'm discouraged. He knows my heart. And what's his opinion of me? What's his response to me when I get discouraged? Notice that Jesus did not rebuke John. It would have been easy to say, hey, John, after all that you felt, after all that you've seen, after all that I've done for me, you're the one, in fact, that baptized me. You saw the heavens open. You heard the voice of God. You knew who I was then. And I'm shocked and I'm offended and I'm insulted that you would ever doubt who I was. He could have said it. He had the right to, but he never did. Come on now. He never did. He did not judge John. He did not condemn John. He did not criticize John. Instead, what did Jesus do? He whirled around to the crowd around him and unleashed an avalanche of his power and let go a whirlwind of his anointing and begin to open blinded eyes. Begin to unstop deaf ears. Begin to cast out evil spirits. Uh, hey, John wants to know, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? No, I'm not going to judge and condemn. But here comes a miracle. Here comes a wave of power and anointing. Here comes a wave of blessing. Here comes a wave of God's supernatural uh, 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 anointing and glory. He made deaf ears to hear. He made dumb tongues to talk. He raised the dead. He preached the gospel. And he turned in the midst of his miracle working power and said, somebody go and tell John. John, you didn't make a mistake. You did not invest in the wrong cause. I am who I said I was. Amen. You didn't make a mistake when you decided to walk down an aisle and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't make a mistake when you said, here I am, Lord, send me. You didn't make a mistake when you said, God, I don't have much, but such as I have, you can use it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use You didn't make a mistake when you agreed and said, Pastor, Whatever it is that you want me to do, I'll do my best. You didn't make a mistake when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Oh, glory. Come on, somebody praise Him right now. Come on, when you decided to commit to God, when you decided to commit to life, church, you did not make a mistake. Discouragement is a liar. And it will cause your faith to tremble. But Jesus Christ is still the same regardless of how I feel. The church is still powerful even when I feel weak. God can still do anything even when my faith is shaken and struggling. 
God's power is still able to reach my family members even when I'm struggling with discouragement. Amen. Jesus' power is not determined on whether I'm encouraged or discouraged. Jesus is still a rushing mighty wind. Jesus still possesses all power in heaven and in earth. Jesus can still shrink up cancers. Jesus can still do great miracles. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter how I feel. Jesus is able. Hallelujah. Somebody tell John. Somebody go tell John, you weren't wrong. I am the Messiah. See, when Jesus said, go tell John, he was saying a lot of things to John. He was saying, John, you're in prison, but I'm not. John, you're discouraged, but I'm not. You can't do much, and it seems like you're trapped, but my power has not diminished, and I'm not trapped. And no matter how you feel, Jesus Christ is still alive. He's still well, and he's still at work. Hey, John, life's too hard for you right now, but it's not too hard for me, said Jesus. You're in prison, and you're discouraged, but my power is still able to take care of whatever it is you're struggling against. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm still free, John. I'm still the miracle worker. Oh, come on. Let's praise the Lord Jesus together. And thirdly, Jesus was saying, I could get you out. I do have that power. But there's a purpose at work in your life. Somebody go tell John. Don't worry about some theological description. Just go tell John what you see and what you hear and what God is doing. The world needs to know that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. The world needs to know that Jesus is still a healer. The world needs to know that Jesus still is your purpose for living. Hey, if you're trying to live without Jesus Christ, you're not living. You're just existing. If you're trying to make it without Jesus being first in your life, what a pitiful and miserable existence you're trying. Somebody needs to get up and declare it. Somebody needs to let the world know, hallelujah, that Jesus is alive. And Jesus is the real purpose for your existence. He's the real purpose for your living. Go tell John. Go tell someone who's discouraged. The world needs to know that the power of God is not just a figment of your pastor's imagination. He's not just a crutch for weak-minded people. Amen. I wish somebody would go and tell John what God is doing. Hallelujah. God's willing to come into your life today and to touch you and give you a reason for living. Our world is full of people with dreams and goals that are now overwhelmed by life and its cruelties. And we see it in examples throughout our world and our nation in the newspapers of people who snap. We've heard and studied and read in the newspapers about people that have gone on shooting sprees. man that murdered his girlfriend and his unborn child. How life can bring people into such despair and discouragement and depression that they're willing and ready to give up. And uh, I want to tell you that discouragement comes to all people. But there needs to be a witness. There needs to be a voice. There needs to be a clarion call from the people of God. Hallelujah. That says God is still able. Hey, you know what? I don't know where you work. Wherever it is that you work, you ought to be a voice for hope in that workplace. <laughs> you ought to be a clarion of hope in the midst of darkness and despair. 
Somebody go tell John. Go tell that person who's about to give up. Go tell that person who's at their wit's end. Go tell that person whose marriage is on the rocks. Go tell that person whose kids are acting up. Go tell that person who's so frustrated they don't know whether they want to continue working or whether they just want to walk away from their life. Go tell that person. Somebody go tell John that Jesus is still working. That Jesus, you may be depressed, but God ain't depressed. You may be discouraged. You may feel powerless, but God is not powerless. And God is not discouraged. And God is able to do all things. See, Jesus is working miracles in the midst of life, church. God is doing great works in lives, but he turns around and says to you, go tell John. Go tell the discouraged one. Go tell the downhearted one. Go tell the one who's about to give up. Go tell the one who's about to walk out on their life. Tell them, hallelujah, that God is still able, that God is still great, that there is still a purpose for existence, that living for Jesus is the life that matters. Somebody go tell John. Go tell John. Tell him, don't give up, don't give in. You can make it if you try. Tell him, reach behind the bars of their discouragement. In their dungeon of discouragement. Amen. In the prison that's a product of their own failures. Somebody tell them that they can make it. Just don't give in. Somebody tell John. Somebody has to tell that wife whose husband isn't living for God, don't give up. Hang in there. Come on. Somebody tell John. Somebody's got to notice. Somebody's got to care. Somebody's got to go tell John. Hallelujah, what's happening. He knows what you're going through. He loves you just the same, and his mercy is able to reach you where you are. One of my favorite stories in the Scripture. I wonder wonder where it is that they found him. Imagine maybe maybe it was in a dark back street. Staggering around like a drunken man, big shoulders slumped, head hanging low. Hardly recognizable as the brash, full of faith, impetuous. We don't know who it was, but somebody found him there. Said, excuse me, Simon? Simon, is that you? And, and that head came up, and those big eyes filled with tears. The first thing he said was, I denied him. Did you know that? I said I'd die first, and I meant it. I meant it when I said it, but I was alone. I, I was so scared, and, and now he's dead. And the last he ever saw me, I was letting him down. I denied him. Do you know that? Do you know, did you hear that I denied Jesus? The one who found him said, yes, yes, Simon, we know that. But, but I've got something to tell you today. Jesus is not dead anymore. He's alive. Alive? Jesus is alive? Yes, yes, don't you remember the words? He said, destroy this temple. We thought he was talking about the, the temple, but he was talking about his body. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He sent me here with a message. And all of a sudden, Peter's shoulders squared and his eyes cleared. He said, what did he say? He said, go tell my disciples that I'm going before them into Galilee and I'll be waiting for them there. You can imagine his 
Simon's shoulders sagged again, and Simon Peter's chin fell down to his chest again and said, That's not me. I'm not a disciple. He couldn't mean me. I'm the one that failed. I'm the one that made the mistake. I'm the one that was so brazen and then stumbled. Well, well, you know, Simon, he must have thought you would feel that way. Because he could have said any one of 11 names and say, tell so-and-so. Tell Bartholomew. Tell John. But he said very clearly, tell my disciples and be sure and tell Simon Peter. I'll be waiting for him there in Galilee. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so there it was. In the early morning as they came in on the boat, John the Beloved was the first one to see the form by the fire. And he announced, it's the Master. It's Jesus. And the first one out of the boat was the one who had denied him in the courtyard. He splashed through the surf and pounded across the sand and fell down on his knees at the feet of Jesus. And said, give up on me. For I'm a sinful man. I'm sorry I let you down. I said I'd never do it, but I did it. And I'm sorry. And Jesus said, I know all about it. I know you didn't intend it. But I've only got one question for you. I'm going to ask you three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Hallelujah. Discouragement can bring you to the point of utter despair. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, then get up. I said, get up. A just man falls down seven times, but he rises up again. Get up, Peter. Get up. But I failed you, but I made a mistake, but I started and quit. Do you love me? You know I love you. Then get up. Get up. Quit groveling. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit listening to the voice of discouragement. Just get up and serve God. Get up and do what I've called you to do. Get up and let my anointing flow through you again. Get up and let your gifting flow through your life. Oh, come on. Let's stand and praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Come on. Clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, if Peter would have listened to the voice of despair, there would have been no preacher at Pentecost. If Peter would have listened to the voice of despair, there'd be no shadows casting across the way and people bringing their sick to just uh, uh, undergo the shadow of Peter. If Peter had listened to the voice of discouragement, there'd have been nobody to go to Samaria and lay hands on them that they received the Holy Ghost. If Peter had listened to the voice of discouragement that said, you failed, you quit, you made a mistake, you backed up, you might as well quit. If Peter had listened to the voice, there'd be no rendezvous between Cornelius and Peter and the entire Gentile family being brought into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I want to talk to John this morning. John, I don't know if you're here. But John, if you're here, I've got both hands on the bars of your prison cell. You're in the prison of personal failure right now. I cannot believe this. The dungeon of discouragement. I want to tell you, 
Don't quit. Don't give up. I told him what you told me. And he said, go tell him. You didn't make a mistake. It's going to be all right, John. I'm in charge. It's all under control. John? John, if you're here this morning. John, I invite you to come. Hallelujah. By the sands of the seashore, tell Jesus all about it. The question that Jesus has for you is not were you perfect. It's not were you never discouraged. It's not were you always on top of the mountain. The question that Jesus has for you today is, Oh, God, I failed you. It's all right. Do you love me? Do you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Hallelujah. The devil's tried to discourage some of you to get you to quit praying. Brother Donnie, I want you just to share what God's put on your heart today. Amen. This week, um, going through the week, the, the, the Lord spoke to me a few times on this one particular thought. Um, at one time, I was about to turn on my radio, and, and it just seemed like he grabbed my attention. And um, he said, no, I, I have something I want to talk to you about. And that is, you know, so many times we pray and we feel like our prayers aren't really going anywhere. But he wants us to know and he wants us to realize one thing, that he does hear our prayers. And he does collect all our prayers. And at the appointed time, he'll answer our prayers. He'll release those promises that he's given to us. And that we're not to be discouraged, even though that it, it may seem like your prayers are just going up to the ceiling and they're coming right back down to you. Just keep praying, keep believing, keep petitioning Him, and don't be discouraged. Amen. And one more thing that, that He shared with me was that, you know, He's given us a name which is above every name. And He said, and he was saying, to, in essence, He was saying to me, don't hesitate to use it. When the enemy comes at you like a flood, use that name against him, send him back, just push him back with the name of Jesus. Amen. He's the head of all principalities and powers. And today he's given us power. And he's, you know, he hears our prayers. And he knows every need that we have. And we don't need to be discouraged because he hears us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I think it would be good if we'd all take a few moments right now to talk to the Lord. I want, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the person next to you right now if it's appropriate take them by the hand and just look at them and, and, and you got to say it just right I don't know if you went to acting school but you got to get the right inflection here and just say John John as in are, are you John 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 is it you John hallelujah I want you to bring that person down to the front right now because we're going to pray together because the spirit of the Lord is here to give fresh hope and faith and encouragement some of you are facing some difficulties and you're questioning your decision to live for Jesus. Some of you have never reached a point where you actually literally question your decision to live for the Lord, but you're wondering if God's there for you. You're wondering if, if this way is really worth living. Hallelujah. That person who you brought down to the front, I want you to begin to call their name right now. And I want you to pray a prayer of encouragement. It's so important that we have one another. I don't think I think it'd be impossible for me to make it to heaven by myself because I need you and you need me and we need each other.
Hallelujah. Somebody tell John right now. Hallelujah. There's power and you're able and you can make it. Amen. I know that you can make it. I know that you can overcome. I know that I can make it. I know that God's going to be there with us every step of the way. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs right now just to say, shut up, devil. Come on, because he's talking to somebody right now. You need to just say, shut up, devil. I know your mom taught you not to say it, but say it. Shut up, devil. Well, you shouldn't be praying. Shut up, devil. You have no right to be here today calling on the name of the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. That's it. I want you to pray for one another right now. I want you to encourage one another. Hallelujah. If you're spirit-filled and you're on top and on fire, you say this message isn't for you. Yes, it is. You need to go tell John. You need to go find somebody and encourage them. You need to pray with somebody. My life. 
Joy comes in the morning. I want you to draw from the well of salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can make it. Come on, let's let that praise come forth. Come on, the Holy Spirit is ministering no right now. No matter what the may come Come on, find somebody and pray with him with right now. Jesus, Holy Ghost is working in people's lives. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. With him, I know I can Come on, come on let's push him over the top. No matter what so when your tests and trials they seem to get you down and all your friends and loved ones they are nowhere to be found remember there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away and if your heart is broken just lift your hands come on let's see you can say, pray again oh i know that i come on let's see you can fall in love with the word of god again i know that i can Jesus, my again. life is Jesus, in I love your you. Jesus, I love you. With Jesus, I can you. With Him, I know I can stand. No matter what may cut my way, my life is in Your hands. My life is in Your hands. 
Lord, my life is in your hands. No matter what may come my way, as the Holy Spirit ministers to you, as the Holy Spirit, no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. No matter what may come my way. Right now, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. If you've never received the Holy Ghost before, you can receive it right now. Begin to pray in tongues as the Spirit of God comes upon you. I know that I, I will make it. I know that I will stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus I can't take it. With Him I know I can't stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in His hands. Yes, I know that I will make it. I know that I will stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in Your hands, Lord. With Jesus I can take it. With Him I know I can't stand. No matter what, what may come my way, my life is in His hands. My life is in Your hands, Lord. My life is in Your hands. My life is in Your hands. My life is in Your hands. You don't have to worry, and don't you be afraid. Joy comes in the morning, troubles they don't last always. For there's a friend named Jesus, who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands, Lord. With Jesus I can take it. With Him I know I can stand. No matter what may come my way, 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 my life is in your hands. No matter what may come my way, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an old-fashioned song. Old-fashioned song we used to sing. I don't know if you know it, but it's an awesome song. It's simply, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Let's sing it again, but let's do a different key. Bring it up a whole step. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me through victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus my Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, I'm singing victory. In Jesus, my Savior forever, He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath. Come on, I feel like singing it again. Hey, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me 
with his redeeming blood. Oh, he loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. Oh, he loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. Hallelujah. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. 